Can, ever, can everyone hear me? Yes? yes? I can hear myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I will pro pronounce my name again properly. It's uh, Lika Hagewijk. I am the speechwriter for the Minister of Health in the Netherlands. It's the guy on the uh, right for you. Um, and as I am sure many of you can relate, the last two years have been quite the challenge. Um, and I'm here to tell you about that today. I will tell you about the Dutch COVID-19 experience, about the more than 40 statements I prepared for our press conferences. They occurred every two or three weeks. And I will tell you about why I had to forget everything I thought I knew about speech writing. Well, let me start by telling you about the ending. Starting around at the end of the summer of 2021, people started to actively demonstrate outside of the Ministry of Justice where press conferences were being held. And time and time again, the area was locked down. On the streets, the atmosphere was grim. We got used to asking before what time we should arrive. We got used to not being able to leave the building after work was done. We got used to passing rows and rows of heavily armed police officers. And then, for security reasons, we had to take a taxi ride home. And we couldn't go by train anymore because they were afraid people might follow us and has, uh, has, uh, harass us. Yeah. Um, so none of this was in my job description. And all of it had to do, again, with trust. And especially with the lack of it. So, but before I continue, first let me tell you a bit about the Netherlands. We are a small country, 17 million people. And for the most part, it has a Calvinistic attitude. If people just act normal, that's already crazy enough, as the Dutch expression goes. <laughs> so, there is your awkward question. <laughs> we govern in coalitions and, um, no, first we have in our parliament has 20 political parties, um, and we, but therefore we govern in coalition. So our governance is currently formed by four parties. Decision-making is done through a strategy we call polderen. Um, it's a Dutch word. It has a very long history, but it means that everyone gets to have their say, and after everything has been said, a decision is made. Uh, and it's every, especially it, this approach actually means everyone gets a little piece of the pie and everyone feels the piece that is served to them is too little. Um, our Calvinistic attitude and our process of decision making is why I believe we aren't a country with a long tradition in public speaking. The last time before COVID, our prime minister addressed the nation was 50 years ago. Um, and this was during the oil crisis, and the Prime Minister had to tell the people they should stop driving their cars on Sunday. Um, a press conference with millions of viewers, time and time again, this, this, this just didn't happen in the Netherlands before COVID. But we quickly found out it was by far our most successful tool to reach the nation. So when the opportunity occurred, a lot of people jumped to the occasion. Well, we all know a thing or two about communication in crisis, right? We know that it is important people see the same face over and over again. So whose face was this in the Netherlands? Well, let's have a look. 
On the left, you see our Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, and it would be reasonable if this was the face we saw every time, right? But we also saw, saw uh, Jaap van Dissel, he's a scientist. He's the scientist for uh, the director of our Center for Infectious and Disease Control. So this was a, this was a logical combination, right? So, next press conference. Four people. Well, there's our sign language. And on the left, next to Irma, she's a really famous person now in the Netherlands. Next to Irma, you see our Minister for Medical Care. Again, our Prime Minister. Again, our Minister for, our uh, Director for Centre and Disease Control. Next press conference. New people. <laughs> minister of Medical, uh, Medical Care and our Minister of Education. So. This is becoming a slapstick right now. <laughs> On the left, you see our Minister for um, Social Affairs. In the middle, the Minister of Finance. On the right, the Minister of Economical Affairs. <laughs> so on the right, you see my guy. This was my minister. Um, this was his first appearance during COVID. Um, it was also the time when he took over for the Minister of Medical Care. Okay, next. A lot of people, people will remember this occasion in the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, so um, on the far left, you see the new Minister of Medical Care. You see our Prime Minister, you see the Minister of Justice, you see our Sign Language, and you see uh, the Minister of Health. Well, this press conference was a disaster. I, I, I can see two people who still sometimes have nightmares about this in the public. Um, yeah, so this was within 14 days. We managed to present 10 talking heads managing the crisis. 10. Um, and thankfully, this was also the moment when everyone involved in managing the crisis thought no more. We have, to, we have to slim this down. We can't, we can't manage this crisis with 10 people because when showing this many people as being in charge, people feel like no one is in charge. Yeah, from this point on, the Prime Minister and the Minister of Health together, so this is all the people, <laughs> uh, together did um, all the remaining press conferences. And make no mistake, two people telling one message is still a bit much. Um, and I wouldn't advise it. Looking back, I would say just one person. But I think the speechwriter for the Prime Minister, Jan Walravis, and I made it work. Yeah. So to us, COVID speeches were a whole different ball game than our usual speeches. I'm not sure why, but we truly didn't realize that at the time. Why is it that speaking to an entire nation is so much more different than the speeches you and I usually write every day? Well, mostly they were addressed to the entire nation. What makes this so much more challenging? challenging? Because after all, I am also the people. Well, first of all, when your boss is speaking at a Congress, you know who he or she is speaking to. We talked about this a lot yesterday. Um, you know what your public expression is about. You know what angers them. You know what drives them. And those feelings and the values they uphold are your opening to let them truly feel what you want them to hear. 
When you address 17 million people, common ground is really small. At first, common ground was, we want everyone to be safe. At first, common ground was, we want our healthcare professionals to be this thing. And common ground was also behavior. Suddenly, everyone was in dire need of toilet, toilet paper <laughs> for an airway virus. Yeah. So, unfortunately, it didn't take long for the common ground to fall out from under our feet. And after a few weeks, the only common ground was, we are done. We are just done. And every time a new wave of infections arose, every time we ne needed to take measures to make sure hospitals wouldn't be overrun with new patients, those feelings of being done grew heavier. I think we all can remember. <laughs> And people were done for different reasons. We had youngsters feeling depressed. Parents felt their children were paying a price for battling a virus that didn't seriously affect their health. That's, that's what I felt. And there were angry people that felt their freedom was taken away from them by a massive conspiracy. There was a group of people who felt we weren't doing enough. There, and there was a large and less focal group of people who felt, well, we just have to ride this out. We, we don't like it, but we will manage and we will help each other in doing so. And as speechwriters, we wanted to address all of those feelings because we wanted to connect with the people listening to us. But in the short amount of time we had for our, our statements, as, as you said, it's, when talking to a screen, you have a very short time to catch people. Um, so we had to choose. And I, Looking back, I think this was a mistake because when you fix your attention to a smaller group of people, the rest of the people is hurt that they aren't mentioned. The second reason why addressing an entire nation is so difficult is that people process information differently. What is very understandable for you and me can be very difficult to understand for someone else. And that's why we try to make complex information visible through figure of speech. Because that's what we do, right? Um, but we discarded this tool very quickly because people perceived metaphors as a gimmick. And most of all, because we realized that, for instance, people with autism perceived literally what we meant by figure of speech. The third reason, and there's nothing to be done about that, I guess, is that when you take away people's freedom, it just hurts. It hurts. Um, and there are no words that can take away this pain. The only way to stop the hurting is to give back the freedom people in democracies have a right to. So, I've, talk, I've talked a lot about what doesn't work when communicating in a crisis. But if, you, if there's one thing about, true about us, about speechwriters, then it must be that we are creative without borders. What worked was being honest about what we knew, but also about what we didn't know yet. And if we knew when we thought we might have a clearer view, we also said so. Um, what also worked through all this was taking people by the hand and showing them which dilemmas the government was dealing with. There were no quick fixes. There were no free choices. There weren't any free cho choices when new waves of the virus arose and we had to lock down again. And there weren't any free choices when step by step we opened up our society again. 
We explained that everyone was, a, was paying a high price dealing with COVID, but that we simply had to make choices. For example, between letting children go back to school or opening non-essential stores again. That it was not an and-and, but an either-or. And that when we weighed those two dilemmas against each other, we felt it was fair to first open up schools and keep financially supporting shopkeepers. And in the next step, we would see whether or not we could open up non-essential stores again. So this, this, this thing about showing the, this dilemmas, I don't know whether it's a European thing, but we call it the logic of dilemmas. So just, just show what kind of dilemma you're dealing with and what's the logic between choosing between, between, between two, just showing what you are doing. There is also something else we learned. Um, I think we all learn, are learning this now the hard way, and that is a crisis is not over when it's over. As we speak, all restrictive measures in the Netherlands have been lifted, but our country has changed and it needs to heal. Divisions that existed before have deepened. New divisions arose between friends, between families, and between so many different groups of people. In this new European crisis with a war going on, the Dutch again rally around the flag. But at the same time, there is this deep mistrust in our government and also sometimes in each other. And however sad this is, I also consider this as a welcome challenge for us as speechwriters. Not in a literal sense. I am truly not keen on finding my way home through rows and rows of heavily armed police officers again. But I, I am talking about a challenge, challenge within our profession. We as storytellers have a task in helping our nations heal. There is no great speech without great policy, sure, but we all know words matter. So let's make sure to always choose the words that will bring us together instead of tearing us apart. Let's stop choosing topics that divide people and seek the, one, and seek the ones that unite us. The challenges that all of our nations face right now are even perhaps bigger than the difficulties COVID brought upon us. So let us pick the words that describe those difficulties. Words that say we understand and sympathize with the hardships that come from the decisions being made. And we need to use the words that make it clear there are no free choices when it comes to the consequences of the war in Ukraine. There are no free choices when it comes to climate change, to housing, to living with an increasingly elder population. And it's up to us to give words to, the, to those challenges. And I would love to discuss now how we can make sure to be the best speechwriters in doing so. Thank you.